Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Will you turn with me to Psalm 112? Psalm 112. And I mentioned last week we went through Psalm 111, and I told you that that one and this one here tonight, they form a a bit of a pair. Um, They're both acrostics. We can't see that in the English language, but in the Hebrew, there's uh, 10 verses in each one, and, and each verse starts with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And there's a lot of similarities in Psalm 111 and Psalm 112, but there's also some differences. They're similar in their construction, both being 10 verses long, both being acrostics, but um, the content is quite different. Psalm 111, it dealt with the Lord who is to be feared, and Psalm 112 deals with a man who fears the Lord. Uh, Psalm 111 called our attention to the mighty deeds of God, Psalm 112 calls our attention to the godly man. And the first verse of Psalm 112, it flows right out of the last verse of Psalm 111. Let's read Psalm 112 together, and then we'll ask God's blessing on our time in his word together. Psalm 112 says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is a man that feareth the Lord, and that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious, he's full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. And the wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Let's pray. God, we ask you um, tonight to reveal to us the truth you've got here in these 10 verses. Uh, We're thankful uh, for what you've taught us already about, um, about the Lord who's supposed to be feared. Now, Lord, in Psalm 112, teach us how to fear you. Uh, show us the benefits of living a life that fears you. What you describe for us here, Father, is how to live the good life. And who doesn't want that? May we believe, may we trust your word for how we can do that. And uh, God, bring our lives into alignment with your word that we might experience your goodness. We might experience your blessing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, Psalm 112 begins with uh, the foundations of the good life. This this psalm, it starts just like the preceding one. Uh, They look just alike at the beginning. Uh, Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 say, Praise ye the Lord for 
English words, one hyphenated Hebrew word, hallelujah, is while these both start. And for us to see the link between these two psalms, I think it'd be beneficial if we read the last verse of Psalm 111 along with verse 1 of Psalm 112. So let's do that. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord and delighteth greatly in his commandments. So what's the foundation or foundations for a good life? Where does uh, being a man of God or, or being a woman of God, where does that begin? With the fear of the Lord. That's what we're told here. And we've come across that phrase plenty of times already in our study of the Psalms, but it never hurts for us to review what God means in his word whenever we come across that phrase. Uh, I know some of you have Ryrie study Bibles. Uh, I have a couple of them. I like his definition. He says that the fear of the Lord is a joyful submission to God's will for your life. Uh, Southern Baptist pastor and professor James Montgomery Boyce, he said, the fear of the Lord is a profound reverence. It's you and I living in awe of God. I think those are both good descriptions. So now what does verse 1 say about the man or the woman who, who fears the Lord, who lives in joyful submission to his will, who, who lives in awe of God? It says that that person is blessed. He's blessed. She's blessed. Now, if we went all the way back to the very beginning of, of this book, uh, Psalm chapter 1, all the way back to the beginning of God's divine hymnal here, even going back to the first word of the first psalm, we would find that same word, blessed. Uh, in, in the Hebrew, how happy, <laughs> how happy is the man that feareth the Lord? That's what we're told here in verse 1. How happy is that person who lives their life in joyful submission to the will of God? How happy is that person who lives life in awe of God? And that truth is a perfect beginning to the song about living the good life. Um, do you all have anything that grinds your gears? I mean, something gets under your skin. You know what I'm talking about? I, I don't know. That really bugs me. Uh, can I share with you what's probably in my top three it's when I hear somebody preach or teach that God is more concerned about you being holy than he is with you being happy. Do you know why that frustrates me so bad? Those are not two different things. <laughs> not according to God's word. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. What God's word teaches us is that holiness is the path to happiness. And God tells us that right here. Blessed or how happy is the man that feareth the Lord. And now pay attention to this because God gives us a, a short little definition of fearing the Lord right after that. The person who delighteth greatly, who takes great delight in God's commands. My goodness, I don't know if we're going to get out of the first verse tonight. Um, that doesn't matter. This is important because we, we have to make sure that we never fall for this lie. That, that holiness and happiness are two different things. They're mutually exclusive. It's a lie. That was the devil's tactic in tempting Adam and Eve way back in Genesis chapter 3. God doesn't want what's best for you. He told you not to do that. It's because he's trying to keep something from you. He knows that if you do that, you'll be as wise as he is. He doesn't, he doesn't want what's best for you. That's a lie, friends. That's a lie. Don't believe it. God told us in that very first psalm that starts out with the same word, blessed. 
or how happy? How happy is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly? How happy is a man who doesn't stand in the way of sinners? How happy is a person who doesn't sit in the seat of scornful? How happy is a man who delights in God's word and in his word he meditates day and night? He'll be living a good life. He'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. He'll never wither. Whatsoever he does will prosper. God told us the same thing in my favorite verse in the book of the Psalms, Psalms 16, 11. God has shown us the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. That's where the good life is, in a relationship with God. At your right hand are pleasures forever. Who's at God's right hand? Jesus Christ. So having a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's where fullness of joy is. That is where we have pleasures forever. And here in Psalm 112, we're reminded once again about how to live the good life. The foundation of the good life is fearing the Lord and delighting greatly in his commands. We really can't move on without considering what God just said in that last phrase. Uh, Here's a short definition of living life in awe of God is delighting greatly in God's commands. Adding a little Bible whenever you can fit in your schedule? No. Not what it said. Uh, you love God's promises? I do. I do. We got them. Krista got a cricket machine a while back, so they're about in every room in our house. There's God's promises there, and I'm thankful for that. It's good reminders as I walk through the house. But, you know, um, that's not what it says here. It says he takes great delight in God's commands. God could have chosen any word for his word to say, take great delight in God's promises, take great delight in God's precepts, his statutes. He says, taking great delight in my commandments, my commandments. Um, The person who's going to live the good life takes great delight in God's commandments. Um, And that man or woman, they know this in the core of their being. That when God tells me to do this or do that, or he tells me don't do this or don't do that, it's for our good. It's for our good. It's never to restrict us. It's never to harm us. It's never to deprive us. It's to bless. It's to bless us. That's why he's told us to do this or to not do this. It's to ensure that you and I are living the good life. All right, now we can continue on. But don't let that truth leave you. The truth we found there in verse 1. Verses 2 through 6, they give us features of the good life. When somebody does this, this is part of their character. This will be how they live, part of their conduct. And verse 2 starts with this promise to the godly person. Their seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. So what does this promise mean? It means that the one who fears the Lord, the one who takes great delight in God's commandments, they will have God's blessing on their family, on their descendants, mighty Uh, in the Hebrew, doesn't refer to being physically strong, uh, but rather that the godly person's children will be recognized, they'll be honored as being upright themselves. Now, not just this one, but a couple of these other features that we're going to go through, uh, they're not necessarily universal promises. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, You might have a child, you might have a grandchild that they've got free will. We find plenty of instances and situations in God's word where a mom and dad, a parent, has consistently fit the description of verse 1, but their their children went off track. But this promise is generally true. Uh, There's a cause and effect context in, in all of this. A mom or dad who fear the Lord and take great delight in God's commands, well, they're going to do everything they can to impart that to their children. And the reverse is also true. 
You can see that everywhere in the current state of the church. Parents who view their relationship with God and their faithfulness to the Lord as anything but the most important thing in their life, well, the kids are probably going to view those things with even less intensity, less necessity. We've got another feature of the good life uh, given to us in verse 3. It's also a general rather than a universal promise. Uh, It says, wealth and riches, verse 3, shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Um, So these features are clearly material, wealth and riches. There is a a spiritual component. Um, We're going to hang on for that. It comes a few verses later. Uh, You might say, Jason, you know, I'm not perfect, (laughs) but I feel like I've lived most of my life in concordance with Verse 1, I'm fearing the Lord. I'm taking great delight in his commands, but my bank account does not align with verse 3. Listen, this was written under the Old Testament Mosaic Covenant. And in that covenant, in that dispensation, God promised material blessing for his uh, his people's obedience. Uh, We're not under that covenant anymore. Uh, We're under a different dispensation. Praise God we are. Um, We're under the new covenant. And so I want you to think about the one that we follow, Jesus Christ. He left the treasures of heaven to come and serve us, to come and save us. Uh, Jesus said this of himself in Luke 9, 58, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So that doesn't mean there's no application of verse 3 to you and I who fear the Lord and who take great delight in his commandments right here, right now in our day. But let's make an honest appraisal tonight. Do we have wealth and riches? Not too many of you walked here tonight. Thank goodness, it's really hot out. And we're worshiping here in a beautifully air-conditioned sanctuary. (laughs) Amen, Tracy said. Bump it down a few more degrees. And uh, you will go home tonight and we'll sleep on comfortable beds in an air-conditioned house. So, um, you know, without a doubt, fearing the Lord, taking great delight in his commands, it is the path to success. That's the general principle here. And and while we might not have wealth and riches uh, in our house right now, every single one of us who's trusted in Jesus as Savior, we have a place reserved for us in glorious heaven, don't we? One day we'll walk the streets of gold. Uh, Our Savior is busy right now, uh, preparing a place for us in his Father's house where there are many mansions. Amen. And so I think this feature of living the good life in verse four, this one's my favorite. I think it's the best of all. It says, unto the upright, there arises light in the darkness. And so I would like to follow Solomon's example. And if God were to offer me anything at all, rather than power or long life or wealth or riches, I hope I would choose what this verse describes, that I would choose wisdom. Having light and darkness, being able to see my way uh, through this dark world because I'm taking great delight in God's word. This is a lamp to our feet, right? This is a light to our path. Uh, And I was once in darkness before coming to trust Jesus as my Savior like everybody else who is lost. Uh, I loved darkness rather than light, but the gospel shined its light. And by God's grace, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, I took hold of it. You did too. Don't lay, don't lay that torch down, Christian. Don't lay that down. Are you thankful for this feature of living the good life right here, that light arises in darkness? Um, that's what this is. 
And verse 4 also tells us that those who fear the Lord and take great delight in his commands, those who have this light and who live by it, they're gracious. And they're full of compassion. And they're righteous. Let's look at verse 5. It describes a person who is living the good life this way. He shows favor and he lends to others. So, see, I told you there was a spiritual component to the wealth and riches that was promised back in verse 3. Listen, if God has blessed you materially, and he has all of us, he has a purpose in doing that. And it's not to spend it on yourself. It's to be a steward uh, and steward it for the increase of his kingdom. Uh, A couple weeks back on Sunday morning, we studied Paul's message in Acts 20, verse 35. Paul encouraged those believers uh, to give a love offering to help Christians who were suffering and in need. And... um, Paul told them, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how it's more blessed to give than to receive. What does blessed mean? How it is more how happy to give than to receive. More blessed, more happy. The man or woman who fears the Lord takes great delight in God's commandments. They're going to be happy giving to those who are in need. Just like it says here in verse 5. Never doing it begrudgingly. Not doing it out of duty. What does God uh, what honors God according to 2 Corinthians 9, 7? For the Lord loves a, a happy giver, a cheerful giver. And verse 5 says that's part of living the good life. It also says that this person guides his affairs with discretion, with discretion. That means they conduct their affairs with justice. They're not ever somebody who's trying to pull one over on someone else. Uh, No me first attitude like the world has, but rather uh, the follower of Jesus who's living a good life, they have this attitude of generosity. They're always putting others first. That's where the happy life is found. That's where the good life is found. Next, look at this feature in verse 6. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance. Isn't that true? That when we live this way, when we fear the Lord and we take great delight in his commandments and we're living by his word, uh, that stability is found. That's our experience in this life. Jesus echoed this feature at the end of his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them... (laughs) I liken him unto a wise man, and he built his house upon the rock. What happened? Same thing that happens to everybody. Uh, Rains came down, and streams rose. The wind blew. They beat on that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was the rock, the the rock of hearing and doing what God has said to do. And verse 6 says, surely he shall not be moved forever. And that's the kind of stability that leads us to the closing theme here in this song uh, when it comes to living the good life. This is a result of fearing the Lord. This is a result of taking great delight in God's commandments. It's a faith of the good life in verses 7 uh, through 9. You know, life is full of storms for everybody. And life is also full of fear and full of what verse 7 says is going to come our way. It will. Evil tidings. You turn on the news and you're going to get a hefty dose of, dose of evil tidings. Um, that's what sells. <laughs> that's what gets people to tune in. Uh, but notice when the storms come, when evil tidings are heard, what does it say in verse 7? What does it say is the response of the godly person who's living the good life? No fear. <laughs> no fear. Um, 
He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. You know, in the, in the current world we live in, I don't know if there's a more needed way of living for the person who claims to know Jesus. Uh, the Christian who's hamstrung by fear, that's a sad sight to see. Uh, how can we live in victory over it? Well, I hope we've learned that by now in our study through the Psalms on Wednesday evenings, uh, that we leave places of fear and we rise to faith by first of all focusing on who God is and then what God's done in the past in Scripture, even in our own lives. That, that's what fuels our faith and what God's promised to do. Um, verse 7 says his heart is fixed. <laughs> it's trusting the Lord. What's it fixed on? It's fixed on God's word and his promises. When those evil tidings come, when they bring their fear-inducing message, the godly man, the godly woman, they turn up the volume on God's promises. And God tells us the way out of fear in Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. A mind stayed on God. Or as it says here, a heart that's fixed on God. On who God is. What God has promised. Listen, there's no living the good life when we allow evil tidings to be louder than God's promises. And I said allow. Because we got a choice. We got a choice in what we hear. Definitely, we got a choice in what we let rule our, our thoughts, stay in our mind. We got a choice. We got a choice in what we allow into our ears. And if it does make it that far, we've got a choice regarding what we're going to allow to stay on our mind or in our heart. A mind stayed on God will have perfect peace. A heart that's fixed on God, trusting in the Lord, it, it will not be dominated by evil tidings. That's the faith of the good life. Verse 8 says, His heart is established. It shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. That's a deliberate choice. I'm going to have a mind stayed on God. I'm going to have a heart fixed on God. I'm going to have a life that's dominated by, uh, what does it say in Philippians? A peace that passes all understanding. That's what I'm going to have until God says what he's going to, until God does what he says he's going to do. Until I see my desire upon my enemies. Verse 9, it returns to the theme of generosity. It was listed as a feature of living the good life back in verse 5. Here it's listed as an expression of the faith of the good life. You know, we can live with generosity. We can live opposite of a world that's always clawing and fighting to get what's mine because we believe what God says in Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We can be that cheerful giver that the Lord loves because we believe what has always been the case according to Psalm 37, 5. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. This never happened. It never will. The life of faith has a testimony that endures forever. It says here uh, that person's horn. That's a symbol of uh, power, a symbol of strength. That person's horn shall be exalted with honor. That's what a life of faith will deliver. That's what fearing the Lord and taking great delight in God's commands will result in. Maybe not here in this world, um, but for sure in the next, right? For sure in the world to come, there will be honor for the person who fears the Lord and who takes great delight in God's commands. That's what God promises to him that overcomes so many times in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 when Jesus addresses those seven churches. Let me just give you a few. Revelation 2.26, Jesus said, And he who overcomes and who keeps my works until the end, to him I'll give power over the nations. 
Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments. I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I'll confess it before my Father in heaven and before his angels. That's honor, isn't it? For God to confess your name. For Jesus to confess your name before God and, and before the angels. Revelation 3, 11. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will go out no more. A, a pillar in God's heavenly, eternal temple. That's some honor. That's honor to those who fear the Lord and take great delight in his commands. What if we don't? What if we do what this world does? What if we seek what it seeks, value what it values, focus and fixate on, on what it treasures? Well, verse 10 tells us the end for those who do that. The wicked shall see it, well, they see, they're going to see the righteous finally being honored, that they've been living the good life, and now they're eternally living the good life. And it says they'll be grieved. They'll gnash with their teeth. They'll melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. You know, both groups, the godly man described here and the wicked, they want to live the good life, both of them. There's just two very different value systems. There's two very different paths to the good life. And there's also two very different end results. That was just described here. Only one. Only one leads to the good life. Only holiness brings true happiness. Only fear in the Lord. Only taking great delight in God's commandments results in living the good life. You know, since Genesis 3, Satan has told the world that the opposite is true. And since then, men and women, they've been believing that lie with eternally dangerous and deadly consequences. Will you choose to believe God? and his perfect track record. Won't you commit to do that tonight? I mean, grab a hold here of Psalm 112. Whenever the devil tempts you with a detour, I've got to go here if I'm going to find happiness. I'm going to go here. No. Tell him no. I'm going to fear the Lord. I'm going to take great delight in God's commandments. Praise team, will you come up and we'll sing a few more songs as we close tonight and worship to the Lord.